Hello, dear listeners. This is your host, Mike Linhan, with a friendly reminder that there are spoilers ahead. So, if you have not already read, watched, or immersed yourself in today's topic, please pause the episode, go do that, and then rejoin us for our conversation. So, with that being said, let us go back to the episode. friends welcome back to mike's millennial falcon i am your host mike linehan and once again i am joined by my friend luca hey everyone it's luca yes so uh we are well <clears throat> well i am sad about the uh ending of summer because you know as a teacher it is my vacation so to speak um I am approaching one of my favorite seasons, fall, a.k.a. spooky season. So what better uh, way to start that off than to talk about the Netflix phenomena known as Stranger Things, which th- there are it time is for... Like, yeah. It is such a summer series, though. Yeah, it, well, it's... So, like, the first season or two were set around Halloween, if I recall correctly, but then... Season three and four, more like yeah. the summer. So it's kind of on the cusp there. So it's a good transition, if you want to yeah. call it that. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm excited to talk about this. Um, so from the top, as far as how we got into this, respectively, uh, I'm getting old. My memory's crap. Uh, I'm pretty sure I just saw like an ad um on netflix so i was like oh that looks kind of cool but because i'm terrible about watching things in a timely manner i'm sure i heard the hype and then i was like okay i guess i'll check it out and then i was like son of a bitch this is this is great i love this this is this is wholesome but spooky and just it's great so um we'll dive into the goods and the probably weaker parts of the show too but overall very happy about it so i'm looking forward to this discussion what about you luca so uh it was definitely super hyped up from the beginning and i wasn't like super interested in getting into it uh mostly because i'm one of those people who if something's popular i'm like it's popular (laughs) um which i don't know why i do that because i am honestly the most basic person in the world um but then i saw winona ryder and i'm in love with winona ryder i so i was like i'm gonna watch this for winona ryder and uh then i did and i really love i i love that show so much see i'm pretty late on the winona ryder train because i think that i think the first time i saw her was in um freaking uh mr deeds uh the adam sandler oh. movie and then like i realized that like an icon yeah and then she came up in stranger things and then i discovered like beetlejuice and heathers mostly because of angela yeah thank you uh yeah <laughs> so. i think heathers was the start of my crush on winona Ryder, and uh then it just kind of descended from there Yeah, for a brief tangent, when I was teaching a theater this past year, there were so many kids who loved Heathers as, like, the musical, and I'm like, I'm not sure if I should be concerned. I mean, it's a great musical. (laughs) Uh, Listened to by high school students 
worries. But you know what? When I was in high school, that's when I got into Heather's the movie because the musical didn't exist yet because I'm old. But, uh, you know, as long as you don't, like, idolize JD, which I did, but I went to therapy, so... (laughs) Which I I think that's the part of stories. You can't enjoy them. They are just... um, You gotta unpack some shit. Um, So... I'm looking at everyone whose favorite character is Billy right now. Please go to therapy. Yeah. Yeah, okay. We're, we're, we'll get there. We'll unpack that. I I, I won't uh, jump the gun in that respect. So, we'll go season by season. Um, I, You know, season one just has a special place in my heart. Like, to refresh myself, I was watching, like, season recaps, which mm-hmm. do, really don't do justice to, like, entire eight or ten hours of, like... Yeah, I rewatched season one this week, I'm not gonna lie. Um... But, like, even just watching the recap and see them just such little babies, oh my god. Um, but looking back at the Duffer Brothers and how they cited influences from Steven Spielberg, John Carpenter, David Lynch, Stephen King, Wes Craven, and H.P. Lovecraft, definitely can see Spielberg and the, like, family, friendship, like, love is what matters thing, but also, like, going up. Later seasons, like, really dive into the horror, but you get the spookiness of, like, Lovecraft and King. Yeah. Um, I definitely, like, love the shout-out to all the major 80s films. I know specifically I'm thinking of um, the scene in the first episode where Will gets, you know, upside down. Um, mm-hmm. is pretty much shot for shot the scene where Elliot finds E.T. in E.T., just way scarier. Oh, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, they but... are very similar scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just love to see things like that. Like, there's so many different moments where, like, I can see the influence of Jaws and, like, Hopper's introduction. And yeah. All of those major films of the time period, you you feel called out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um... Yeah, no, I I love the 80s uh, influences and uh, callbacks. Um, There's, I I thought it was interesting, too, when, you know, the Demogorgon, and that's something I love, too, is, like, D&D, how they, like, title or name the big baddie for that season after D&D. I love how it's never anything like the D&D monster. Yeah, I'm sure that there's the... Like, the Demogorgon and Demogorgon the Demon Lord have nothing in common. Yeah. Outside of, like, they are both monsters that will eat you. Like, Demogorgon is a two-headed demon. Yeah. It's... But it... It... Kind of bases it in this, like, (laughs) groundwork of uh, fantasy role-playing and, like, bringing it into, like, oh, shit, we're actually fighting uh, monsters now. But, um... The the fact that the Demogorgon, I think they describe more as, like, it's not Pennywise. It's not really intelligent in that way. It's more like Jaws, where it's kind of coming back into yeah. their dimension to take people and whatnot, and that's cool. Um, also, the, just the freaking soundtrack. Um, I, I didn't know what Synthwave was before I listened to this, but now every time just... Just like, oh god, it's... So yeah, catchy. That that was my ringtone for a while. <laughs> um, but I think what I truly love too is that I have appreciation for like these kind of like mystery, fantasy, horror stories that have heart. Not to say there's anything wrong with things like The Conjuring or like There's slash A lot movies. of things wrong with The Conjuring. <laughs> well, okay, then that's 
that's a whole another thing yeah, I could unpack. Um, but like the fact that you have these horror elements and uh, you know suspense, but the heart of it is also based in you know these wholesome relationships, and nothing's perfect, but it's these real people interacting with each other and growing together, forgiving each other, fighting whatever needs to happen. Um, Honestly, one of the things I love the most about Stranger Things is the parts of the show where it's not the supernatural stuff, mm -hmm. where it's kind of those boring episodes where it's like, and now we're going to focus on, you know, like Steve's love life or <laughs> now all the characters are going to go to the mall or like it. And it's just them interacting with each other like they would if everything weren't happening. Mm -hmm. um, that's like one of my favorite parts of the show. But also, uh, it just all reminds me of, like, the meme that was the meme when the show first came out, which was someone posted on, I think it was Tumblr, like, what if the strangest thing is the friends we made along the way? <laughs> and then it was reblogged, like, holy shit, that's actually the plot of the show. Real, it really is. You know, that is a fair point. Um, also, I didn't know what MK Ultra was before the show. I, I can thank last podcast and left and all that for mm. educating me. But uh, yeah, looking back on it, the whole Hawkins Lab, what they're doing, very reminiscent of MK Ultra, um, and I just appreciate too that, um, like a lot of the like Lovecraftian sort of like designs are there, but whereas Lovecraft tends to a lot of these creatures are come through by like uh, rituals or summoning or something like that. This is we were scientists, we fucked up. And we ripped a hole into another dimension. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, but that also fits in with the 80s vibe of, like, you know, the myths of the Cold War, the scientific advancements and trying to, um, to catch up to the modern day, you know, as we have it. It's, it was kind of cool just that the whole vibe there. One of the things I love the most about that show is when they have this super high-tech, like, Hawkins lab, but then you see, like, the computers from the 80s, and it's like, oh my god! Yes. That whole room could be an iPhone now! Oh, well, was it even, um, this, I, I was re-watching this most recent season, and, uh, yeah, I did that in, like, three days. I have a problem. Um, but, was Susie was hacking and you see all the like <laughs> lines of code and she's like the IP address they're like what is like the internet the what oh it's going to be a big oh my god oh yeah <laughs> um uh, hindsight you know it was great um i have to say uh rip to benny he he didn't even survive the first episode just he had like one scene but was the realest one i i was like oh maybe we're going to have like a haggard like character or something this will be great and then immediately killed uh, and Barb. Justice Barb for Barb. Yes, justice for Barb. I remember, like, my mom was saying, like, Barb looked like a bunch of girls she knew in high school. Like, mm, you know, she went to okay. high school in the 80s, and Barb was reminiscent of, like, her friends, which makes sense, because my mom was such a Nancy. Um, <laughs> um, but, like, she was like, I think, like, killing her off made me so sad, because she looked like people I knew. And I was like, that's fair. I actually, oh my god, in my Animal Crossing game right now, I have a Stranger Things area, and I actually have a pool with a little dead barb next to it. <laughs> no. That is the most random. Oh my god. 
But, and we, for, even from later seasons, we just can't let her be dead. Well, she is dead, but we keep referencing flashbacks of dead Barb. It's like, okay, either bring her back, but stop tormenting us with dead Barb. I mean, I think that's kind of good because it kind of shows grief. Like, in season two, we get to see Nancy struggle with the grief and trauma of having lost her best friend. And then for yeah. those who were into Rebel Robin, seeing Barb come back in there and talk about her relationship with Robin and how Robin is responding because Nancy knows the truth about what happened to Barb, but Rob Robin, you know, doesn't. Mm -hmm. It adds, it makes, you know, a very realistic arc about grief, which is just mm -hmm. always appreciated. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, and I... The evolution of Hopper as the too old for this shit police chief and Joyce as the very crazy but determined town mom. Um, I think our friend Lauren at one point had made a little design with a coffee cup and like the Christmas lights that says uh, mornings are for coffee and contemplation or something oh, like that. Oh, that's so funny. I'm like... Yep, that that would be something to it's, hang up in my office. Every too. time, like I talk about Stranger Things with people, it's very hard because Hopper is such a beloved character, and I can't stand him. Not at all. Um, no, he you know starts as this grumpy, too old for this shit cop, and like he like drives to work drunk in like the first episode, and then yells at children, and I just he never grew on me. I don't know. I I don't like. Him. I I think it took a little bit. Like the snarkiness was like entertaining it, but he did grow on me because of the like the growth. Well, I I guess we could argue about the growth that he actually goes through, but trying to take things more seriously. Um, yeah. And Joyce, actually, I feel like I'm on the opposite side, so this is where I get in trouble. Where I do love her, but at each season is a similar recipe of like. She goes just a little crazy um, because she's she's on to the truth, but she looks like the nut job for a couple yeah, episodes because she's so intense. Winona Ryder is so good at it. <laughs> <laughs> but like literally the first season where they bring in Will's body and she bursts in, bursts out. I was like, no, that's not his body. I know what it is. And we're like, I think the idea is the audience is supposed to go, oh, is she onto something, or is she yeah, just... Yeah, is she, is she just so, like, traumatized that, like, she can't handle this? Right. Um, I do, you know, it fits with the time, and it fits with the writing, but every season, it's like, Joyce is like, whoa, something supernatural is happening here, and everyone's like, whoa, oh, that woman is hysterical. <laughs> oh, we got Joyce over here being a woman again. <laughs> <laughs> but, um... I, I do I do like Hopper, but I think season one, it takes a little bit to warm up to him because he's kind of the asshole. He's the one investigating things, and but he's also got his own shit to work through. Yeah, um, like, I, I can appreciate Hopper's relationships as they grow over the seasons. I just, he's just never really grown on me. There's... Yeah, and I, I can respect that. Um, now, I would say... No, oh, yeah, speaking of growing on you... <laughs> like, character arc, even in a single season, just looking at Steve, like, never thought I would have liked him, but, like, 
his like redemption arc, if you want to call it that, like starts in the finale, or like I think a technically the second, before, like, because he got his ass beat by John. Yeah, like people. when he when he offers to like wash Nancy as a slut off of the movie theater, you know, after he painted it on the movie theater. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like yeah. you can see the hints that like sparks are flying in his brain. Yes, <laughs> there's a couple brain cells actually working together to yeah. do something, but yeah, like especially it was him who came through with the nail-studded baseball bat <laughs> just beating up yeah. a creature from another world and he's just jumping in going I don't know what's happening. Well, like, my favorite thing about Steve is that the Duffer brothers did not intend to keep him. He, mm. The intention was for him to die at the end of season one. He was supposed to be killed by the Demogorgon. Mm. But, like, they just fell so in love with the character and now it's like, if Steve dies, the, the people will riot. Like I also, from what I was looking into for Stranger Things, that's just like that could be the memoir for the Duffer Brothers. It's like we had a plan for this season, and then it went a different way. Yeah, and maybe it was for the better. And in this case, it definitely was. Yeah, Steve is definitely like he makes the show. There was a while where I had stopped watching the show um, because of um, I just you know I I had lost interest and. Then I saw Steve in season two and all the memes, and I was like, <laughs> I gotta see what the hell is going on Right, here. I gotta figure it out. Yeah, I gotta know what's <laughs> up with this. So, um, I think it, the trouble with any show is, like, that first, you know, inaugural season is perhaps going to be the strongest, and the struggle going forward is trying to make every season at least as good as the first. It's, you know, a, you know, a high bar to set. But it, overall, season one, we established the mythology, the upside down, these, like, budding friendships, relationships, it all that. It makes such a good standalone story, too. Yes. Like, regularly, <clears throat> I'll just rewatch season one and then be like, all right, I'm good, you know? Yeah. And it, it's great. Now, season two, I, I do like it. Season I, two supremacy over here. <laughs> I love season it, two. It is not my favorite, but I still liked a lot of things. For me, I liked, um, we had Max and Billy were introduced, so now we've got a new a new person in their gang, and also a new, like, antagonist bully asshole. Um, Will is kind of this, like, possessed, that but exorcist. also, like, it was, yeah, like, the visions, like, he's the in-between and the fighting for his soul, so to speak. That's great. Um, and I, I thought the idea of the, like, roots that went underneath the town that were actually the Upside Down, I still can't remember how they worked that into how it was crossing over into our world. But it was a creepy-ass idea, like especially... like, pollutants <clears throat> out of Hawkins? Yes. Yeah, and, um, like... It was just a creepy idea, too, I think, because I think you first find it when Hopper's just, like, digging in the pumpkin patch, and then he falls through, and he goes, like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> See, season two is personally one of my favorite seasons, um, which I know is, like, not the popular opinion among the Stranger <laughs> Things fandom. But, like, first of all, you had Noah Schnapp acting like the rent was do as possessed will yes um oh my god did that like what like 13 14 year old absolutely crush it mm -hmm. uh you had the halloween episode which is just so iconic you mm -hmm. had bob just bob in general yes as a character um 
there, there, there was just so much to love about season two that I think is slept on entirely. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a real bummer for me because I, I think season two is really great. Um, yeah, and and one of the things like I do like, but I also felt like um. Was it Dustin and adopting D'Artagnan? That's my favorite story arc! I I do, I just, I do love it, but I feel like for being, like, perhaps the smartest in the group, he was incredibly slow on the uptake that, like, oh, this is something from the Upside Down. So, hear me out, like, Dustin's a little bit of a psychopath. (laughs) Um, at times. Dustin is very, very smart. But he also, out of all of the kids, um, I really think takes their situations the least seriously up until, like, season four. I think that, like, every character has a point where this stops being a game to them. Mm-hmm. And Dustin's does not come until much later. Okay. And uh, I think he kind of knew it was a Demogorgon, but didn't care because it was exciting. And he didn't have a lot going for him at the time. Like, he had a crush on Max, but... So did Lucas, and then Will and Mike weren't really hanging out with him. Yeah. So I, I think that he found a thing that made him special and didn't really care about the repercussions. Mm-hmm. That being said, that was also the catalyst for, he's like, shit, I have to deal with this. Stumbles into Steve. He's like, we got more important things than yes. your love life. And Steve, the babysitter, is born. Yes. And the Steve-Dustin dynamic is, <laughs> I really think, one of the strongest on the show. Every time Steve and Dustin are in a scene together, I know I'm going to love it. Yes. Um, and it's it's great. And the like whole like taking him under his wing. At the very end of the season, too, when he's done up his hair with all the... Oh, what, the, 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 the school dance. Yes. The snowball. Yeah. But, like, Nancy was so sweet and danced the, with him. The, it was like... The Farrah Fawcett hairspray. Yeah, the Farrah Fawcett and... hairspray. That's what yeah. it was. But it, I, I love their dynamic. Um, so, again, major deaths, we had Bob. Now, let me say, I I did like, and I do like Bob. I mean, it's Sean Aston. How can you not? Um, but, like, the more I look at it, I feel like the Duffer Brothers planted the seeds for, like, Hopper and Joyce from season one. So to have Bob in season two almost felt like, eh, we're just trying to fill it in to kind of like stretch that romantic the, tension. The Duffer brothers do really love their one season character who's really lovable and then we kill them off. You know. Yeah. We'll talk about that later, I'm sure. Yes. Uh but Bob, I feel like, yeah, he was a foil character. Mm-hmm. You know, he stressed the romantic tension, also like his death. Um, made it a lot, made the stakes a lot higher. Yes. Because, like, Lord knows I can't watch the scene where Bob dies without crying, but mm-hmm. you have this death where, um, like, as I kind of mentioned, a lot of the characters have something where it becomes real for them, and I really think that was Mike's, mm-hmm. was that Bob died, and it really set into Mike there that, like, this real man who had nothing to do with this died, uh, at Will's hands, basically. Yeah. Um, and I think I think it added a lot of tension. I'm def- Bob was definitely there to make you love him and then break your heart when he died. But can't discredit what a great character he was. Yes. I mean, when he, yeah, when he gives them the 
camera on Halloween, and then he looks through the footage, and he's like, Joyce, I think Will was being bullied. I love that so much. But also, you'd notice that he looks through the footage, and Jonathan was supposed to be with Will that entire night. Yeah. Bob never mentions to Joyce that Jonathan wasn't with Will. Oh. Bob's a real one. Okay. Bob's a real one. (laughs) Yes. So Bob is great. I just... Like we said, it's it's a pattern that we have a new character we fall in love with and then we kill him off. Yeah, and it's kind of like a substitute for the rest. But anyway, um, so I know what got a lot of flack from some fans is the like side quest that happened with eight stumbling or sorry, eleven stumbling into eight and their her gang of misfits kind of like giving up vigilante justice. Like I didn't hate that. No one liked that. <laughs> but like. I didn't hate the idea that Elle wasn't alone and that there were others that had escaped and are struggling to make their way. So, I really liked that plot line. I just wish it wasn't a whole episode. True. And, and I didn't really care about the other people in there. It was really just eight. Yeah. Because, you know, as Elle's sister, quote-unquote. Um, and I'm still holding up hope that we might see more survivors or escapees which we get a little bit in other seasons but they turn out to be bad guys or there's a like lot that. of theories about certain characters being hawkins experiments some of them are more founded than others <laughs> i mean and so that is the uh that is the joy of fandom and fan theories is sometimes yeah. they get really interesting um so i would love to see more of that come out because uh gather up all the lost children of Hawkins fucked up experiments. Yeah. Um, also, like, we had met Elle's mom briefly, I think, in season one. But, yeah, like, very briefly. To go into her mind and see what's happening endlessly in her head. Ugh. It was so When it sad. talks about why she repeats those words and you see, like, the rainbow and the... Yeah. yeah and very, the... very oh. heartbreaking. Um, And to think that that, like has actually happened to real people yeah like the real victims of mk ultra mm-hmm. um it's 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 very hard to watch yeah and even like just the fact of like you know, uh, uh, electroshock therapy or whatever that like yeah. in very 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 rare cases it works but more often I than mean, not it's been much more refined now yes but, yeah um um but yeah especially in the 80s not great um and so, fun fact, uh, two things, again, the Duffers were sub- had wanted to do initially with this season is, I didn't see the details of it, but Elle was going to kill her mom? Oh, Jesus Christ. I, I don't know if that was, I don't know the details, if it was going to be like a put her out of her misery sort of thing, or what? I'm going to really hope it was that. But. Oh my and, God. And then, with Bob's death, it was originally supposed to be a possessed will that killed yeah, him. Yeah, Possessed Will was supposed to, I think, stab him to death. And I'm very glad it, he didn't, because um, this is abundantly clear. Will is my favorite character. I think <laughs> a lot about him. Um, but we never really find out what Will does and doesn't remember from when he was possessed. True. Um, he seems to recall certain things that happened, so we can assume that he mm-hmm. does remember, in which case that he knows that he led Bob to his death mm-hmm. with a bunch of other people. And I think if Will had killed Bob with his own hands, that, that would have been the end of poor little tiny Will. Right. Especially because, like, Bob can't even defend himself. Like, Will's so little. If Bob, right. like, whacked him and then, like, little possessed Will was like, Mom, Bob hit me. Like, that would have right. been terrible. <laughs> so... I'm very glad they didn't go that route. <laughs> yes. Um, 
So, I know he's not a huge character, but when it comes to whoever's in charge of Hawkins' lab at the time, um, Dr. Owens is about a thousand times better than Papa. What? Uh, what? Papa uh, bad? Well, and, and <laughs> I realize, too, people might not care because he also plays, like, the diplomat a bit because he is trying uh... to, like, kind of, like, appease people uh, around him. But that's what makes him human, whereas Dr. Brenner cares only about the science. Yeah. Um, I definitely, and... like, wouldn't call Dr. Owens a good guy. He's definitely a better guy than Papa, but, like... Mm -hmm. He he definitely has a lot of heart to him, and yes. it's very lovable to watch. Yes, and if nothing else, he's trying. He's he is Doctor Brenner. Well, I was gonna say, did he even have a chance to try? Because even season one, he just spends his entire time hunting L. I mean, I mean, he's trying. He's trying <laughs> to do uh, horrible things and commit atrocities. <laughs> um, but. He's not trying to do good. Well, yeah, he's not really trying to do right by anybody, but yeah, we can unpack him uh, and his death scene in season four. Um, and so as far as big baddies for the season, Mind Flayer, again, taken from D&D, &D, again, not very close to the actual namesake, but much more terrifying than yeah. the Demogorgon. But I guess that's not quite fair because it is huge so it's it's huge it's supposed to be like an actual intelligent adversary yeah it's i mean it's it's completely incomparable mm -hmm. to the demogorgon um i also just really love that in season two there were multiple demogorgons mm -hmm. that um that really added to the threat because it's like oh my god it took like 20 of you to wipe out one of these things in season one right um but yeah, the mind flare is so scary. Also, little possessed Will is so Oof. freaky. That exorcism scene. Every time I watch it, all I can think of is like, oh my god, they are they are torturing a little boy. And, right. And like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have been able to do it. Like, yeah, yeah. Like when Nancy burns him with the fire, ooh, with the fireplace poker. Oh yeah. All I can think of is Will has a fireplace poker scar now that, like, Oof. like now, like, every time he has, like, a physical, they're going to be like, what happened there? And he's like, oh. Don't worry about it. It's fine. It's fine. It's all fine. I'm the zombie boy. Exactly. Oh, my God. And, and, and in that respect, too, Max just jumping into this group going like what the fuck is happening and lucas trying to explain everything with a straight face and i like... love that she doesn't believe him at first like i love that she's like stop making fun of me mm -hmm. and but then like she's kind of like steve where she's like a real one about it by the end right exactly like... and she faces billy and uh basically tells him to back the fuck up which that scene too i think they're at the they're at uh, the buyer's house. The buyer's house. And he, Steve comes out and is like, what? You know, I don't see you. So it was like, you mean that? And it's the kid's like poking up uh, over the window. like, do you think you saw us? I'm like, oh, God damn it. Yeah, <laughs> you so idiots. <laughs> one of my favorite things about the fight scene in the buyer's house with uh, Billy is, first of all, they put a dead Demogorgon in Joyce's fridge. Um, <laughs> I forgot second, about that. there is blood all over Joyce's home. <laughs> and... Joyce, who, you know, at this point would have just lost Bob, is going to come home 
had the longest day. Maybe she's going to make the boys some milk and cookies. Opens her fridge. Dead Demogorgon falls out of her <laughs> fridge. There's blood everywhere. <laughs> it's just, uh. But it had a decent ending. And, of course, we had, you know, the very hint of the end. You know, it's not over with, you know, the upside down and the yeah. fire hovering over. I also, school. uh, I have a lot of problems with Mike and Elle's relationship in general. But I do love their reunion at the end of the season. Yes. I, very cute. I think I was a little uncertain. Again, we, we differ a little bit about Hopper. I was a little uncertain that we made Hopper the, like, Sir, the adoptive father of L. But then as the season, like, I don't know. I have a lot of problems with uh, the Hopper L story arc. It was cute. I, I love a good grumpy man and little girl and now he's her reluctant father kind of a thing. You know, like the Hound and Arya or um, The Last of Us and stuff like that. Mandalorian, there's so many, yeah. <laughs> is imagine hearing about that story objectively like hearing like grown man police chief keeping a little girl in his cabin in the woods against her will she's completely undocumented it's yeah like just that story arc wigs me out and it bothers me especially because hopper at that point had worked with joyce he's got a friendship with joyce he knows joyce would be cool about it yeah. There are people who could have supported him not keeping Eleven just in a cabin by herself, and he actively chose not to do that. <laughs> yes. So, like, the story's cute, but I just, I, I have, like I said, I have issues with Hopper. <laughs> yeah. When you break it down that way, yeah, that's that's fair. It, it does kind of come around full circle, though, with him being like, yes, yeah, so she's official now. She is documented. She yeah. has a name. She's going to be my daughter, and we're going to be cool about it. We're and not I'm, going to hide her in the woods anymore. I can't complain about that story arc too much, because it did breed my favorite quote, which is when Eleven yells, You! My papa! Ooh. Oh, it was my favorite. Love that yes. moment. Yeah. Oh, my God. Lord knows but, I yell that a lot. But also, like, like, uh, archetypal, like, preteen teenager fight with dad yeah that's that's one of the things i will give it is a lot of the times i'm like it does feel like a dad and a daughter and i can definitely see where they were going i just i wish it was done a little bit differently i wish joyce or somebody else knew she was there yeah uh just to make it a little less uncomfortable <laughs> especially since it's joyce who ultimately winds up yeah kind of like Adopting. But Hopper her. is a flawed character. He has flaws. It's it's fine. Um season three I did like. Um the one of the things though again is Hopper at points took steps backwards. Like what I understand he's the like overprotective dad. He's an <laughs> the, alpha male. The door has to be open three inches, blah blah blah. Like I, I get it, the stereotypical dad, I get it. But like the point that really annoyed me was like he got quote unquote stood up by uh joyce, joyce as she's trying to figure out something is still happening and he's moping around he got drunk he she arrives at his house the next day he's like i haven't been stood up like that since high school blah, blah. i'm like oh my god you are a grown man see like like season three is out of all of the seasons my least favorite not mm -hmm. to say it's not good it is it is an excellent season um 
I cannot stand Hopper in that season particularly because he's acting like a grown man child. I really hate whenever I have to see any character I'm supposed to like be the possessive dad who's yeah. And I again, I just I feel like a lot of his character is bullying children. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) right. I I, don't get me wrong. I would bully Mike too if I knew him, but like. And Mike not... is a little shit. Yeah, especially in, this... especially in season three. Like, it... I, w- I would give him a wedgie, like yeah. full on. Yeah, he's just like shit talking him in front of. Oh God, Elle deserves better. But anyway, Elle uh... deserves better. Will deserve. Everyone deserves a better friend than Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I oh. really think season three is where Mike's character really starts to fail us. You could see a few hints in season two, mm-hmm. and I I know that's. We'll talk about more of that later, but I think season three is where I was like, I don't like him. Yes. Like, I, I used to love him. I do not like him. Yeah. And, um, yeah, but overall, I did like the season. Um, again, like, uh, I, I think I'm getting a little ahead of myself of, like, listing those things. But, um, I, I like that, you know, Ellen Max got a chance to actually have like girl time and hang out and build up their friendship. So it wasn't just like, Hey, you're the new girl. I'm the other one that, you know, came out of nowhere again. Uh, they have that. We have Will, uh, you know, kind of struggling with his sexuality as his friends drift apart. And, um, and like, again, where people are like, I wonder if he's gay or not. Like at this point, you'd have to be, like the only way you're gonna miss it is if they hit you with a sledgehammer. Like, so, like <laughs> it's not that subtle. So, like as the expert on Will's sexuality, <laughs> that's why you wanted me here, right? Yes. <laughs> I think in season three, I kind of got a little defensive when people said Will was gay, um, because I was like, Will is dealing with this very severe trauma mm-hmm. that has greatly affected his life over mm-hmm. the past two years. And he's developing a little bit slower than his friends. Yes. Um, where, you know, very, very abundantly seen in the mall episode, um, which is infamously like my least favorite episode of the series because it just makes me so emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, you know, children who experience trauma, children who are neurodivergent, um, children who feel that they are developing slower go through what will went through there yeah um so that's why i was kind of like okay just because he wants to play D more than he's interested in girls doesn't mean he's gay i mean he is gay for the record like yes. <laughs> he he is he is he's a queer icon um <laughs> but like i i started to get a little bit annoyed there because i was like he might be gay but there is so much more to it than that it was just like trying to slap a label onto something real quick and yeah to, yeah because there there is so much that goes into what happened with him having that breakdown over the mall episode and destroying castle buyers that wasn't just him having a crush on Mike and Mike rejecting him that you know there were so many layers of everything Will as a person has been through but yeah I think season three was when they really started to sow the seeds like oh Will might, yeah. Will might be queer. And I'm glad you brought up the his breakdown, so to speak, with like destroying their little uh castle fort, buyers. Little castle buyers. Yeah. Um is like even as and that's an interesting perspective, but I felt like even as someone who's pretty like vanilla cisgender white straight dude, um, 
that even I could relate to it, especially when, like, even I think some of the trailers built it up with, like, the tension of Mike saying, it's like, well, what did you think we we're going to do? That we we're just going to stay in our basement and play D&D forever? We weren't going to get girlfriends? Like, I felt that as as a person in my 30s who has gone through high school, college, yeah. all that, and that gr- that drifting apart of friends that happens naturally but also like you said he feels like he's being left behind and and he doesn't have he doesn't have a partner like everybody else has somebody dustin has at least steve to like and that's that's what really breaks my heart about it is that like will is in this really hard developmental place where he has had so much trauma happen in his life And he is just trying to hold on to that one thing he really loves, being D&D. Um, and, like, for the record, like, you know, that scene where he dresses as the wizard and, like, holds them hostage, pretty yes. much. <laughs> um, as an adult who plays D&D, and I'm sure anyone who's been an adult and played D&D knows this, there's times where you want to take your party and hold them hostage. Because <laughs> uh, trying to wrangle four to five adults together at the same time on the same day for a few hours is impossible. Yeah. Um, but it's it's such a relatable arc for so many people, and I think that's what makes Will's character so strong in season three. Um, as hard as it is to watch, I, I cannot watch those episodes without crying. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it makes a really compelling story and a really relatable story. And I, I think that just kind of uh, being like, oh, and Will's gay kind of takes away from it, you know? It, it it doesn't feel like adding to the conversation. It just kind of like puts a stop to it. Like, oh, he's gay. That's that. Yeah. 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 Um, and I think it took me a little bit to warm up to Robin, but I did grow to love her and just... Her, again, also being thrown into this whole fiasco and being paired up with Steve, as we see later. As I love how she kind of throws herself into the fiasco. Yes. <laughs> like, she's like, oh, you're decoding a Russian message? I'm in. Yes. Like, <laughs> like she, she, she's just on it from day one. Right. Um, I, I didn't... We just become more and more horrified as the seasons go on and i mean that as like also like making it more horrific i'm not saying it right anyway (laughs) horror elements uh we've got billy who is even more maybe not more scary than a possessed will but he is more intimidating i was gonna say possessed billy is like a more tolerable person than regular billy so (laughs) like i kind of liked possessed billy (laughs) yeah but you also have like um the like the scenes of like him, there's some body horror with those. You have the old lady like eating the soil. Yes, and we had the corpse monster thing, um, like oh, yeah, there's there's a lot of really scary imagery in season three. Um that definitely it starts to feel like it's whacking you a little bit harder with the I, with the horror thing, themes. I was just thinking with Billy. Another thing I wasn't super fond of was the end of season two when he showed up at the Wheeler's house and it had that, like, um, like the graduate thing kind of going on. Like, it felt like a funny joke then, but then we dragged it out into season three with, like... Mike's mom actually almost sleep with a literal teenager. Like, what the hell? Yeah. And, like, all the other women, too, like, Oh, look at him. I'm like, he's like 19, maybe? Yeah, he's like 18 he, at best, he, 19, maybe. Like, barely legal. I'm like, Ugh. Yeah, so, like, it, 
it, it's super inappropriate. Do I feel like it's something a lot of middle-aged women do? Yes, I do. <laughs> I fantasize about yeah. Yeah, like, I'm, I, I remember when, like, the Twilight movies were coming out, my mom was like, ooh, that Jacob, and I was like, that Jacob is, like, my age, but... Yeah. <laughs> um, but, like, it... it I, I did not like that story at all. Yeah. I mean, I think it just fleshed out more that, like, he's just a creep. Like, it, he can be... Yeah. He can sleep around with all the girls he wants, like, his age is just... Uh, I really like the episode where um, Max and Eleven are having the sleepover, and they're like, we're gonna spy on people, because again, that's... Oh my god, yes. It feels like something kids would do, but then when Eleven's like, he's with the girl, and Max is like, get out of there, get out of there! She's, yes. She's yeah. like, no, 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 no. Like, she knows. It's gross. <laughs> yes. Oh my god. And Hopper bursting into the room drunk, and it's like, Max is there, and then he's just like, a little happy, like, did she break up with Mike? And I'm like, oh my god, he's such an idiot. But... <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's such a good... I. So that's the thing, of, the other thing about the Mall episode, is that, like, Eleven and Max's story is so cute. I love the Eleven-Max friendship so much. Yes. I think it's one of the more overshadowed ones of the series. I think, like, um, the relationships between, like, preteen girls are very um, defining for a lot of people's lives. Mm -hmm. And... They they had such a cute, wholesome friendship. I love when they go to the mall. I love when Max helps Eleven find clothes that she feels fit her personally. Mm -hmm. I love when Eleven dumps Mike's ass. I love when she words it, I dump your ass. Like, yes. it's, it's just all... It's very good, very wholesome. Again, those moments that don't even revolve around the horror. Mm -hmm. Um... It's it's most of that story is just their relationships with each other as growing children. Yes. And it it very it's it's still manages to be very fun to watch. Yes. And un, until like Will makes me cry, but Yes. Um Uh I was just thinking too with the adults. Uh Murray just working his way into also this, like, third wheel of a, like, weird, crazy uncle. We have his relationship with Alexi. Oh, I season, forgot about Alexi. Season three's character who comes in and you love him and then he dies. Yeah. Alexi was everything to me. The Murray... I, I, I'm a shipper. Murray and Alexi, I shipped it. I wanted them to get together. I think they were lovers. I think they were in love. But, like, Alexi, for a character who didn't even speak the same language as the main characters, mm -hmm. was so likable. Yes. He was just so likable from the beginning. Well, just and, him chilling with his Slurpee. Yeah, <laughs> chilling with his Slurpee, backsassing Hopper. Um, with... When he's so excited with his Woody Woodpecker right before he dies. Yes. Um, and Murray's doing the corn dog dance. Like, that scene <laughs> could have had the most wholesome ending in the world, and then it didn't, because yeah. the Duffer brothers, I don't know, are out to get me personally. <laughs> but... <laughs> um. So, the million dollar question. Uh, I feel like this kind of divides the fan base a little bit, m mostly because behind the, uh, between the diehard Billy fans and everybody else. Um, but... Was Billy redeemed at the end, in the end, finale, whatever? No. No? No. Billy was literally racist. Like, he was literally a racist. He was a racist. He was racist against Lucas. He was abusive towards his little sister. I don't care that they gave him a tragic backstory. I think his redemption through death was cheap. I, I don't think he did anything to redeem himself whatsoever yeah yeah i mean i i felt a little bit 
bad with the tragic backstory. Uh, and I get the, like, the racist and the abusive thing, though, theoretically, that also is in Death Sentence character-wise. Like, potentially, he could grow from that. For instance, Steve was an asshole. Steve became yeah. not an asshole. But we didn't really explore that, and like you said, it kind of fell into the usual thing of, like, well, if we're going to, quote-unquote, redeem him, the only way we can do that is he sacrifices himself um, and he dies. Because uh, we don't actually want to deal with the thing of, like, oh, what if he, sac if he fought the thing and survived? We don't actually want to work on fixing that relationship. We just yeah. want him to die in a... Possibly, in a, a, a semi-tragic yeah. way. Yes, in a way that's gonna make people sad. And yeah, I just I didn't buy it. Um, and I think it's very well put by Max later in season four when she basically says like, "I wish you were dead, and now I feel guilty for wishing you were dead because you're actually dead." But, like, you were still a horrible person who made my life miserable. Yes, exactly. So, it's... Uh, I, I mean, if we can redeem freaking Kylo Ren in, like, three movies, I think... We can redeem Kylo Ren. Oh. <laughs> I didn't say it was done well. Uh, and I don't know. I, in hindsight, maybe i just like to see all... Not all bad guys, but I like to see some bad guys get, like, a chance to, like, see the light, but... Don't yeah. get me wrong, I love a good redemption arc. It's just Billy's was not a good redemption arc. Yeah. Um, you know, instead of had Vegeta. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I don't think Billy was redeemed. Um, I think Billy was like a terrible, terrible person who was like abusive towards children. And I know he was abused himself, hurt people, hurt people. But he like literally was like racist to a little boy. He tried to run over the main characters in season yes. two. Like, I, 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 I don't think sacrificing himself is enough to make up for. In the last actual second. Yeah, in the last actual second. I'm pretty sure if he had survived that, he wouldn't have learned any kind of a lesson. Um, I think he still would have been a total asshole. Like, maybe he would have been a little bit nicer to Max, but, like, I don't think he would have stopped being racist. I don't think he would have changed that greatly mm. as a person. Yeah. Okay. And that's fair. Um, I know you're a little ambivalent about Hopper, but that letter at the end Aww. for L, I, I felt like yeah. it was sweet. So sweet. Yeah. <laughs> it it definitely made me cry. I think I had seen someone like, like a couple weeks after the finale who had just watched it. They're like, oh, I'm going to do okay. And then the voiceover starts with the letter <laughs> and you're like, oh, no, no. Yeah. That, I mean, like, I don't like Hopper, but you know who I really like is Elle. And yes. it hurt me that she lost someone who meant that much to her, um, who did very clearly love her. And also just that scene where the letter is getting voiced over and they're, they're moving. It's, ugh, yeah, cry every time. Um, and so... We had already talked a little bit about Will's meltdown, but you did have a specific note about the Russians. Yes. <laughs> so, the Russians. 
I really, um, I really like that finally, after all these years, we got to see the infamous Russians. <laughs> um, because it's very befitting of the time period. I, for one, after all of these times that they're like, it's the Russians, it's the Russians, and then for once it actually was the Russians, I was like, what? <laughs> um, I, I, I know a lot of people who are divided on the it's the Russians storyline, but I thought it was so fitting of the time period. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, I loved that Russian spies were in the mall. <laughs> I love when they're decoding spy messages. Like, it just felt like stories an old paranoid Republican would tell me. <laughs> and I appreciated the inclusion of the Russians. I I loved Alexei. I, I loved... um. I love Steve getting interrogated by the Russians. I love whenever it was playing the USSR anthem. Like, mm -hmm. it just, it really, really felt like um, something of the times. And it it definitely, like, it wasn't the strongest story at moments, but it was, it was fun. Yes. And it gave us Alexi, so. Yes. And I, I was thinking about the, their equivalent of a post-credit scene with the oh, in, with in the, the yeah gulag is like leave the American is like I I didn't hate that part because then you see the demogorgon and you go oh shit oh what are they yeah, doing so like, but like I feel like Hopper wasn't even like in the ground yeah, bro, in our brain cold. he wasn't even in the ground yet in our minds and they're already going like the American is like. Who could the American be? The only person we could think of. Yeah, the only American who disappeared on the Russian base. Yes. Um. Like, yeah. Yeah, I really wish they hadn't included that because then when season four started, it wasn't a surprise that Hopper was back. It, right. You know, it, it wasn't a reveal because we'd already seen that he was alive. I wonder if that, because it did feel a little bit like an afterthought. I wonder if the Duffer brothers had gotten, like, feedback already from audiences who were, like, mad that Hopper was dead, and they're like, oh, shit, we gotta bring him back immediately. Let's let's have this, like, colonel so, to tease. I don't know. I think one of the things the Duffer brothers uh, really fail at is um, a lot of media really fails to let us feel. Mm -hmm. um, and the writers are almost afraid to hurt you. Uh, we see it a lot in the season four finale where, like, I was promised a bloodbath and a bloodbath I did not receive. Mm -hmm. Um, but, like, I understand why you wouldn't want to kill off these characters. Um, but teasing their deaths and then bringing them back does this thing where it makes death not permanent. Yes. And it doesn't allow me as a viewer to grieve a character when I know they're not lost. Right. Um, and with Hopper, I feel like they, they were just afraid that people were going to be mad that Hopper died. And it's like, yeah. And then we're going to be even happier when he's back. Yes. And, or even if, or even, even if, if he, he had stayed dead, yeah, like even if the he trouble had stayed with like, dead, it would have been a tragic death. The, the problem with like, um, Supernatural, like a uh, TV show is one, we had like 15 seasons, but also it didn't matter if. Sam or Dean died because they'd come back or one was a demon but we, then we fixed that in like a couple episodes then the other one's mad at it 
like it was just the same shit just alternating season from season like it didn't matter who died or was possessed yeah, like if, if, they came back it yeah, didn't if matter characters defy death too many times it just cheapens it yeah um i always think of like marvel rules did you see a body then they're not dead did you see a body then they probably still aren't dead no matter <laughs> what um you know it's it it just really um I, I feel like a lot of writers are afraid to kill off their characters, and a lot of writers should be. A lot of the times death is used to do too much as a plot device. I'm looking at George R.R. R. Martin. But, um, <laughs> but with Stranger Things, I feel like it really um, it takes the permanence out of it for me. It takes the stakes away um, when I feel like, well, yeah, he's just going to come back. Like Right. And I, I think we can kind of discuss this a little bit more for what season five has in mind. But yes, yeah. I, I would agree with that. That's typical of a lot of story writing. Yeah, a lot of a lot of writers are are guilty of that. It's definitely not just Stranger Things. Right, right. Um, so most recently we had season four. Um, oh, season four. Which watching that that was a weird breakup of uh, of the episodes. Which I know at the time they're like, oh. We have only two episodes. Oh my god, they're like full-length movies. And I was re-watching it. Some of the episodes before that were almost full-length movies. Like, yeah. they, they were close to an hour and a half long. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so, like, w we did, like, the Marvel thing, except instead of 22 movies, we took, like, 10 movies and just crammed it yeah. into a season. Which, I mean, I'm not mad about. It's just, it, it was a lot of ground to cover. Um, but... I still, I liked it a lot, um, and again, we, we really got the, like, uh, Vecna, Freddy Krueger thing going on, um, I even liked the, like, little Silence of the Lambs thing where Nancy and Robin oh, went yeah, to the yeah. asylum, um, that was kind of cool, and, like, literally the shot that they have is, like, basically the same as Silence of the Lambs, walking down the row of, uh, cells and then getting yeah. to victor creels again those little references are just so good i feel like season four changed the dynamic of the show's relationship with its fans mm -hmm. permanently mm -hmm. um i feel like season four um i have a little bit of beef with season four because oh, okay. of uh people's responses to it not because of the show itself oh, um okay I'll get into that. But season four uh, changed the world. I'm going to say the two words we're all waiting for. Eddie Munson. Mm. Eddie Munson exploded. He brought in so many new fans. Just, I mean, because people would see him and they were like, oh my God, that guy's really hot. I'm going to watch this show. <laughs> like, okay, um, cool. Or like, I know, like, my mom was like, I'm not going to watch season four because she really didn't like season three. Um, hmm. And then I was like, no, you've got to see this Eddie character. And then she came back and um, like the Eddie Munson fans blew up the Stranger Things fandom online way more than any previous season had been. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, that's fair. He changed the convention scenes last summer. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I, I say this, I have an Eddie Munson tattoo, <laughs> um, which is kind of the beef I have with him. But <laughs> um, And he, Justin Quinn is just also a great... Oh, yes, he's a fantastic <laughs> actor, and he's a fantastically written character. Um, and 
he changed the show. And I, I do think it was ultimately for the better. Mm-hmm. But man, the Eddie drama and the fandom scene. Yes. Yeah. I'll complain about that later, but... Yes. Well, that's an interesting segue, too, because, like, I don't know the actual timeline in history as it works, but, like, D&D being incorporated into the satanic panic and, like, seeing the effect it has on this small so, town, especially in the form of, was it Jason, I think was the... Jason, yes. Chrissy's boyfriend who yeah. went on the, like, vengeance and whatnot, like, to see... And I think in recent years, I've had, like, the interest in the satanic panic and just how people went, like, batshit crazy. And also, like, it's kind of like, QAnon is kind of like the carbon copy of that shit, just changed some of the players a little bit. It's essentially the same paranoia going on. So yeah, a lot um, of that story is connected to a uh, actual disappearance, and I believe murder, that happened in the 1980s. Oh, um, okay. Of a boy who was playing D&D. Um, so there's a lot of parallels to that. <laughs> um, because it was a similar response, like... You know, he was playing games with. The, it went from like he was playing D anD D with his friends to like he was playing D anD D in a basement and summoning the devil and yeah, you know, all all that kind of stuff. So and it just takes on this life of its own. But like, as someone who <clears throat> has like grown to love like the like metal music and like horror movies and like alternate media that like you know, if people see you liking that stuff, I think it's a little better now. But they're there's still a bit of that stigma of like, oh, you're dangerous, or you're yeah, yeah. It's it's like when you look at a freaking, uh, I think it was like Colin Byron with like, oh, they were listening to Marilyn Manson. That's what did that. I was like, no, the oh. fact that they were listening to Adolf Hitler is what. Yes, did that. exactly. <laughs> like it's not always about like the metal music or the fact you like games with fucking spells and dragons, like. And I think I think that's what made Eddie so powerful as a character was he was the outcast that so many of us were when we were younger. He's the character that made us watch Stranger Things, not because he was already in it, but we started, but because it's always been at its core a show about outcasts. I mean, in the first episode, a school bully calls, you know, Mike and his friends the freak show. Yeah. And he tells each of them why they're a freak. You know, he calls Mike Frogface, which there's a lot of worse things you can call Mike. You know, he makes a comment about Lucas being black. He talks about Dustin's disability. They're all calling Will... uh, I probably shouldn't say that word on here. (laughs) That's fair. Yeah, Um... but... uh, But... um, You know, and... Eddie comes in as this loud and proud king of the outcasts. He's lord of the cringe. Right. Um, and he um he was really iconic in that way where it it made me really like him. It it made me really like him. I definitely immediately attached to him because I I'm a dungeon master. Yeah. I <laughs> I also was that kid in school who was really unapologetically weird. Mm-hmm. I was too loud. I was I was different and I kind of refused to conform to a lot of norms that ultimately is like really embarrassing to look back on as an adult. Mm-hmm. Um but like I think that's what made him so relatable. Yeah. And I think it took me a little it 
and like I did warm up to Eddie, but like my I think I was thrown off by just how loud and over the top he was at first. And like yeah. I don't want to say he was bullying Mike and Dustin, but they're like, No, you're not the fun to sum. And he's just like, like Yeah, like a lot of people a did was not like, like Eddie at first for that reason. Um But then he's which is with super Chrissy and fair, like, yeah. like super fair. But like I think what I remember somebody in high school who was a senior when I was a freshman, and he teased me a little bit, and then we... Uh, I don't want to disclose too many personal things, but I, I met him outside of high school a little bit, and, like, we actually became kind of friendly and stuff, and he was really cool. Uh, got me into System of a Down and stuff like that, so yay! Um, but, um, yeah, it reminded me a little bit of the, like, senior taking them under his wing. But, like, yeah. once it gets to the, like, he's meeting up with Chrissy, and then he's running the game as the DM, like, he's just so quirky. And, like, you can see we're like, oh, this this is a fun guy. This is a fun character. And then everything just goes downhill for his character just yeah, after I Chrissy. Think, I think but. that's the thing, too, is if Eddie wasn't immediately likable to you and then you saw how he interacted with Chrissy, then, like, it's it's so hard not to like the guy. Right. Um, it's, I mean, he was just a very, you know, he was very kind towards Chrissy even when he was selling her drugs. Um, and making his self-deprecating jokes about his band playing for five drunks at the bar every week or whatever yeah. and like there were just so many small details to his character like when he was like oh my uncle works overnights and i was like who's your uncle i want to know everything about him why are there a thousand baseball bats in his room <laughs> or no it was baseball caps he had like an absurd amount of baseball memorabilia <laughs> and i was like what the hell is this set i want to know everything about uncle wayne but uh yeah, it it um is seen with Chrissy especially kinda hammers him in as a character. And I I I think I had read something after the fact where the Duffer brothers regretted killing Chrissy off so early, but like I also don't see another way to kickstart this entire story. Exactly. I I think the problem was again it was the Steve effect. You just you liked her. Yeah. Like, I, I liked Chrissy a lot. There was just, you know, there was just some sort of magic spell over her. She was really likable. Her, mm -hmm. you know, very brief story about her eating disorder and her overcritical mother is, again, something a lot of people can relate to. Um, mm -hmm. Her little slasher scene where she's running from Vecna in, yeah. like, the house, but it's actually Eddie's trailer. Mm -hmm. But I think it was her death that made her so likable. Yes. I okay. think it was yeah. because you had this character who you had no reason to hate. Like, there was nothing to dislike about Chrissy. Like, she was a popular cheerleader, but she was never mean to anybody. Yeah. And then she dies in this way so horrific that the show had never shown something like oh, that yeah. before. Yeah, I watched that and went, what the fuck? Oh my god. And it was just so upsetting to see this character who did not deserve it die like that. Yeah. And I think that really added to the power. Like, yeah, we had her scenes where she was likable. Um, and then it really, it, it really sank it in for me that I was like, this season is different. Mm -hmm. Like, this isn't Barb getting God off screen. Yes. This is, this is a girl who literally did not do anything wrong. Yes. And, uh... But it, it 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 was a good uh, narrative. Sorry, I'm trying to keep my thoughts in order. Um, <laughs> Lucas, like 
I was looking back on it. It doesn't take him all that long to really, like, wind up back with his friends. But we do start off with the fact of, like, hey, guys, I like sports. I also want to be popular. I'm trying to do yeah. it. And it's the high school thing of, like... You have to pick one. <clears throat> exactly. Um, but... I... Yeah. <clears throat> I really love Lucas's arc this season. He's a character who's not talked about enough, and it's a shame, especially when Caleb McLaughlin is such a talented actor and always has been. Um, but he has always had this kind of odd one out in the friend group where he does have more potential to be popular. He's good at sports. He, you know, in season one, he was like, I don't think we should go on this stupid 11, 11 adventure because it's ridiculous and she's gonna get us killed and they were like what the hell lucas and and we should like, be finding will like he was still focused on yeah. will even when the rest of them got distracted like the thing is is lucas is always disagreeing with the group but he's always right <laughs> like it, he's not wrong to right. be disagreeing with the group but then you know we have him in this spot where it's not even like he's like i don't want to play D D anymore he still wants to play D D. yeah he just wants to also play basketball. Yes. And I mean, again, as a DM who has to struggle with uh, wrangling my players, I can see why Eddie didn't want to reschedule the game, but it was really shitty that he didn't. <laughs> yeah. It sucked that his friends didn't go to his game. Yeah. And, like, if I was Lucas, I probably wouldn't have rejoined him. I would have been like, fuck you guys. Yes. <laughs> um. Yeah. No, and great. Uh, Lucas comes, like, back and, like, his relationship, too, with Max, like, we know that they haven't had yeah. a perfect relationship either, but, like, he is, like, so sincere, he, and he's... He yeah. really cares about her. It sucks that they broke up off-screen, even though, like, I know, like, why and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like Lucas's relationships in this season are some of my favorites to watch. I love him getting to bond with his little sister. Mm -hmm. Um, I like his dynamic with the other basketball players. I... Because looking at it from this basketball player's perspective, um, they did not see these scenes with Chrissy that the audience saw. Yeah. They do not know Eddie's heart. They know that Chrissy went to Eddie's trailer and died in a horrific way. Yes. I can see why they would start the witch hunt. Mm -hmm. um, and I can see why Lucas would join it. Yeah. Especially Lucas knows Eddie. He knows Eddie was bullying him and his friends yesterday. Yeah. Um. So, like, I even like his dynamic with Jason, even though, again, like, towards the end, you could see some, like, race-motivated stuff happening, especially with Jason confronting him in the house with the gun, and... But I think that's what kind of makes Lucas stand out. Yeah. Is that he's always going to be separate from his friends, in that his experience is so different from theirs. Yeah. And I think season four really amplifies it. Yes, absolutely. Um, now, Mike... I did warm. He did get a bit better as the season went on, but like it, it was kind of like season three all over again, where he's just like oblivious. Um, like he's just not willing to make the same sacrifices that he did when he was literally like a child. <laughs> so, I, I really can't stand Mike. Uh, I'm his biggest hater. It it kills me in season four because it kills me whenever he's being a dick to Will. Mm -hmm. It killed me even more that he was being a dick to Eleven. Oh yeah. Um. And yeah, we I, not to excuse his behavior, but I think I kind of mentioned earlier that Bob's death is when this became real for Mike. Yes. I also think Bob's death is when Mike got over this whole thing. 
<laughs> where he was like, I no longer care about trying to save the world. <laughs> yeah. I care about my lady. Like, right. And um, I feel like in season four, I wanted to see him get more excited for the adventure of it all again. And he just never really got there. And he just was so... I don't care if he knows whether or not Will is gay. His best friend was crying next to him in the car, and he didn't yeah. say anything. Yeah. <laughs> he was a jerk to Eleven. He was just a jerk the whole season. Yeah, and, like, like, admittedly, even with that whole group, with Argyle and John and all of them trying to find Eleven, like, I think the only idea he contributed was finding Susie. Everything yeah. else was either Argyle or John or Will. Like, even Argyle contributed, I'd say, more to Argyle this. Argyle was the hero of the season. <laughs> Argyle should have been the fan favorite character this season. Eddie who, Argyle all the way. I mean, Argyle was also great, but as I also just appreciate the frustration of John, who is no longer high all the time, dealing with his very high friend, <laughs> going like, oh my god, we need to keep our shit together. To be fair, they asked him for a ride. You True. can only expect so much of the guy. True. Um, but like Argyle, I loved his contributions. I loved him getting them the pizza place. Um, yes. I loved him finding the, delight. <laughs> finding the treads. I also I know the fandom's really divided on it. I loved Stoner Jonathan. Yeah. I don't like Jonathan as a character. I He's I, he's needed to grow on me, and he has grown on me mostly because he's my best friend's favorite character. But I liked Stoner Jonathan. I liked this kind of arc of the buyers have moved away from everything and now they're all getting to see who they are as normal people. And for Will, that's coming into his sexuality. And for Eleven, that's trying to get into contact with the home she knows and loves. Yes. And for Jonathan, that's getting high because he's had a really fucking terrible life. And yes. he deserves a break from it. Yes. Well, and... Uh... It, it, John got better, but his relationship with Nancy too, like it, it. I my main thing was like he's like venting and like panicking, saying like, "Well, I didn't, I didn't want to leave my brother and my mom, but like if I told Nancy that, she'd give up everything to stay with me here. Then that would breed resentment." And I'm like, Nancy loves you, but I don't think she is ever giving up her like dream of yeah. being big journalist or whatever she is also i'm sure some people their sexuality is just nancy wheeler with a gun whatever season it is i know it's mine um, <laughs> so like yeah, nancy i feel like um i feel like nancy's love life is too much of a problem at this point and like i would like to see nancy just get to be her own career woman for the love of god please <laughs> stop throwing men at nancy <laughs> or like throw a couple women at Nancy. Jesus, come on! <laughs> I mean, we did throw Robin. Kind we of. We did throw Robin there, and I didn't hate it. <laughs> oh, so yeah, Joyce, so jo Joyce. yeah, coming to Joyce. Um, I do love her. Um, but her timing is the worst. She ran off to Alaska just before Elle got arrested. Dude, she ran off to Alaska. What happened to the mother? was so insane about finding her son she almost got arrested like 18 times and now she's just like bye will i'm gonna go get man in alaska yes um and not to tell them yeah like doesn't tell them where she's going like 
Again, I, I do love the story arc with the Russians, and I do love when they're busting up the Russian doll and she's on the phone with Murray. And, yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, Joyce's story arc in season four was not it. The whole Russia story in season four just made me like, do you know where your children are the whole time? <laughs> Granted, I did appreciate Hopper and um, Yuri and um, An Antonov? Enzo? Whatever his name was? Enzo, yeah. Enzo. Uh, I grew to love him. And Yuri was just insane. <laughs> yeah. And, like, again, I love Murray, no matter what he's doing. Um, he's just such a good character. I I hope, you know, Murray does to Mike and Will what he did to uh, Nancy and Jonathan, um, where he's just like, you clearly have feelings for this person. Um, yes. But, like, yeah, I did like the characters. And, like, again, it's not that I didn't like the story I just wish it was better. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, there was that. Um, so I think we were talking a little bit, um, especially watching this season, Robin to me seemed very... And I, I want to be careful with walking this line because I think with the like TikTok and social media, there's a lot of times people post videos like, you might be ADHD if you do this. And people are like, oh my God, I am do that. And it's like, well, that's this could be that thing or it could be neurotypical it's not it, it's yeah. the self-diagnosing or ascribing uh diagnoses to a character right off the bat gets kind of tricky however for me robin definitely seemed to have autistic traits um beyond just like i'm socially awkward it's like no it's more than that like it's just the way that she, her mannerisms and the way that her mind worked. She definitely, definitely listed off a bunch of autistic traits, like, um, you know, like her social disabilities. Um, she even mentioned, like, having developmental delays. Like, she mm -hmm. learned how to crawl backwards, I think it was. Or was that Steve? Oh, that was Steve. That she was, was Steve. She, she was, took longer to walk than yeah, all the she, other babies. she took longer to walk. Um, and, yeah, I feel like, uh, you know, it is oftentimes a little over-self-diagnosed, uh, especially. Um, but I feel like a lot of the characters in Stranger Things have, uh, like, a, an autism coding to them, including, like, Will... Um, who, you know, you kind of see, again, like, the being socially inept, you see the being hyper-focused on Dungeons and Dragons, um, he seems to have, like, a sensitivity to noise, I have gone on rants about this a thousand times, and I have forgotten all of them, <laughs> um, but with, with Robin, I think part of what kind of set that in for me is also the time period, girls weren't really diagnosed with that. Right. And so it made sense for her to be like, I have all these delays, I have these traits, I'm itchy in this shirt. Yes. But it, it would have failed us for the Duffer brothers to say that Robin had autism because it just wouldn't have been true of the times. Mm -hmm. um, yes. Um, and I can see some of the other things too. I think you brought up Eleven. I kind of just chalked that up to the fact of like, Eleven was raised in a lab and didn't have proper socialization, period. So, so I don't think the coding for Eleven is that she specifically is autistic. I think they gave her a lot of traits of autistic people uh. um, to kind of, like, to make her, again, very relatable. Um, you know, the main thing with Eleven is, again, like, she's a fish out of water in mm. this world. Um, she's so different from everyone else. She has... Um, 
I specifically think about how she talked a little bit more before the whole trauma with one happened. But then when we meet her in season one, she doesn't mm-hmm. talk at all. Right. Um, and we see her kind of learning to speak. Again, something you see a lot with people on the spectrum. Um, and so I think, like, they gave her those traits to make her a more likable character. I don't think she specifically has autism. And then I also mentioned Eddie being autism-coded. I think that's just, again, like, um, you know, he was loud. He stood up on the table during lunch. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a very drastic reaction to a change in his schedule. I say all of these as a person who is neurodivergent myself. Mm-hmm. Um I just, I saw a lot of myself in him, and that kind of led to, uh, you know, kind of the downfall of Eddie Munson, where, like, he had a huge fandom, and he was popular amongst people who are weird, people who are neurodivergent, people who are queer, and he had this huge response, and like like I said, like, I have a tattoo of Eddie's bat tattoo, <laughs> um, and I literally got bullied off of TikTok in January over having that tattoo. Literally, like, because I, you know, posted a video about Eddie and, you know, people were like, Eddie's cringe now. And I was like, whatever. Like, come on. Who cares? <laughs> so, like, people were like coming to my profile and calling me all kinds of names and tagging other people to come to my profile and make fun of me. And then I was like, I'm not going to be bullied by teenagers on the internet anymore. <laughs> and left TikTok for a very long time. Um, so that's where I kind of get a little bit like, I I think Eddie is very like autism coded. And I think people who kind of react Mm -hmm. to people who like Eddie are missing a major point of the character. Yeah. And also you don't even have to like the character. Just fuck off. (laughs) Especially being bullied by preteens on TikTok. If anyone listening to this is one of the people who bullied me on TikTok, screw you. (laughs) And coming from someone who works with teenagers, like, I do like them, but there's sometimes. It's, anyway. Um, So, minor character, but uh, we had one of the agents at the buyer's house when the other military guy stormed the house. We had the one guy help. He's like, follow me. I got you, like, he was holding it down. Like, he shot, like, six people, I think, even though they're coming in through, like, the window, the front door, the side door. Yeah. And, like, he he did die, but, like... That scene, let me tell you, stressed me out so bad. Oh, my God. Um, that scene... It's one of those scenes that happens a lot, uh, watching media where the main characters are young as an adult, where I was like, these men are shooting at children. Yes. They are grown-ass men, and they are shooting at boys who are freshmen in high school. Yeah. These are children. What are you doing? Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. It's just... Oh my god, I'm so sorry. No, that's fine. Um So yeah, that that was good. Um the whole Nina project, let's bring uh L her powers back and all that. Um we had Dr. Owens and Dr. Brunner, or as I like to call him, sensitive dad and douchebag dad. <laughs> Because Owens, like, just the entire time is going, like, no, we shouldn't be putting too much on her. We, It's time-sensitive, but... And he was the one, too, that, like, no, we need to go to Hawkins. Brenner's like, no, she's not ready yet. He's like, you know what? We're gonna pack up. And then he yeah. literally fought against the coup and just... Brenner chained him up anyway. It's like, you're not ready, that... Eleven. This isn't a prison, but I am gonna hold you here until you're ready, so... Hey! That whole story arc was just a lot, and I did like getting to see Owens and Brenner finally 
interact. Yes. Um, and kind of see them butt heads over what was going down. Mm-hmm. Um, I love how they kept like trying to be like, Brandon really cares. And like, no, he fucking didn't every single time. But I feel like the audience, like, I don't know if it was intentional, but I feel like the audience saw through that. Yeah, no, like, they definitely, I did. Yeah, like, it, it didn't feel like, it didn't feel the same way that, like, Billy did, where they, it felt like they were trying to redeem him and it didn't really work. This was, like, his self-delusion that, like... Yeah. It, he, what reminded me of, he was very much like a Victor Frankenstein sort of character, like, I am in the right, I, I'm doing this thing... Uh, I am in charge, but I have good intentions. And a lot and, of the like, times you were seeing it through Elle's eyes, and she wanted to love him, but yeah. also she knows that he's hurt her. Yeah. And it's, you know, easy for a child who only had this one figure in her life for so long to want to believe that he wants what's best for her. But luckily, Elle saw right through it every time, too. Which right. Good on Elle. Uh, also, a few things. We didn't really learn how Brenner survived. Like, we didn't see his body granted in season one, but he was definitely jumped well, by a, the Demogorgon. He had a scar. He had a scar. Yeah, he had a uh, scar. Okay, so... And last we heard was season two, where Eight had been like, no, Papa is still alive, but we didn't... Yeah. We didn't really get that. We didn't have, like, a Luke Skywalker in a Bantha tank thing, like, bringing him back. Like, I don't know. Like I'm kind of glad we didn't have to deal with him for, like, two straight seasons. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's again just like no one's ever really dead, I guess. Also, like, I, I don't know if it was writing to lead us on. I also feel like maybe I was spoiled and I went on the internet. So the big reveal of like who Vecna was was kind of ruined a little bit. But like, I, f- I don't think I ever really believed the like, oh, Eleven killed all these people in this lab. Like, I. It didn't really fit with me, yeah. but like Brenner let her think that she was the monster until she discovered otherwise. Yeah, yeah. and I'm like, what? So like the whole like Vecna one Henry Creel reveal. Um, I definitely knew from the second we saw uh one that I was like, yeah, this guy's Vecna. Okay, like this guy's creepy as fuck. Um, this guy's Vecna, straight yeah. up. Um, I, and, yeah, I was kind of like, you know, did he kill all the kids in the lab? What happened to all the kids in the lab? Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, to let Eleven believe that, like, that's... Yeah, and also when they had their fight, uh, after she got her powers back, he's like, you're not angry at me, you're angry at yourself for letting Henry go. And I'm like, she was also a child! Like... She was, first of all, she's a little girl. Second of all, she is angry with you, because yes. you abused her, and... <laughs> yes. But she also turned it on him. What did she say that made a single tear come out of his eye? It was something like, I'm not the monster, you are, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it was something along those lines. And I was like, fuck him up. I, I think it was like, I'm not the monster, and Henry isn't the monster, you're the monster that made us, or something right. along those lines. Um. So you said his death scene... It was mm-hmm. so long. He also got, like, three shots. Yeah, it kept, like, cutting away from him and, like, looked like he was dead, but then it cut back and he wasn't dead, and then it would cut away and he looked like he was dead, and then he wasn't dead again, and, oh, my, just die, dude. <laughs> like, out of all of the people who don't need a long, drawn-out death scene, Dr. Brenner is the top of that list. Yes. I will say, though, I am glad that, again, they they didn't really try to redeem him. Like, they didn't 
like El sent him into the cold, cold void without. Yeah. It, it, he was just saying, "It's like I just did it all for you. Tell me you understand." And she just has the single tear, says goodbye, Papa, and just walks away. Like, fuck him. <laughs> I don't care. He doesn't deserve the like. Yes, I understand. No, let him yeah. die thinking that he fit. Well, he he doesn't have that self awareness anyway. But just let him. Yeah. Die like that. Yeah. No, that was that was good. That was good. I wish the scene wasn't 20 minutes long, but that was good. Yes. Um, Susan's family, I was thrown off by, like, the utter strangeness that was the chaos of her household. I would have... I see someone doesn't know a lot of Mormons. No. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Well. I I was like, so they're Mormons, but um, do they not believe in parenting? (laughs) Uh, Well, uh, I'm not going to... Yeah, yeah, commentary I mean, on uh, uh, Mormons being an ex-Mormon, but um, <laughs> but <laughs> they have a lot of kids. Yes, they can't rope them all in. Um, but there is actually a really cool theory that when I saw your kind of commentary of what's up with Susie's family, I remembered this theory of um, as they create this disaster scenario in the house to uh, to um to distract her dad Mm -hmm. that prefaces a lot of the stuff that actually happens later in the finale like you've got the vampire kid which is eddie and the bats and oh yeah um there was like every like bit of that distraction um had something to do with what like something that happens in the finale which i thought was Mm -hmm. Really, really cool. Um, also, just being an ex-Mormon, watching that scene, I felt like I knew that family. <laughs> like, I felt like I'd been in that house, especially, like, I was like, oh my god, there's, like, 18 kids, their names are, like, Levi, and, like, just, mm-hmm. I was like, I, this is bringing me back. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm looking at the time and also getting hungry. Uh, uh, so yeah. I'm going to be probably speed running through some of these later comments um chief powell poor guy taking over the investigation of this town freaking out and the parents mrs wheeler all of them going oh shit our kids are in hellfire as these vigilantes are running around but um i I do want the parents to finally be roped in or clued into what the fuck is happening because they've gone through four seasons just like her being so scared that like Dustin's mom specifically was gonna like do something to hurt the kids. Oh, really? I don't know why it was Dustin's mom. I think she just seemed the most shocked, but also like Mike's dad, who we know, like, you know, is not the best guy. Ted is the worst. He was like, oh, let's put him in jail. That will get him to think. Yeah, and the rest of like, go, like, season four added a new fear of uh, the townsfolk. Yes. And um, really instilled, like, I was afraid the parents were going to do something to hurt the children mm-hmm. at some point. And uh, Officer Callahan, also not great. He's just a weirdo being like, one of these little pigs is going to squeal or something. I'm like, you're talking in front of their parents. I don't know if they'd appreciate it. They're children. And even what at the town hall as everybody's leaving, it's like, there is a curfew. There will be serious consequences. We'll go on your permanent record. I'm like, just shut up, dude. Just, yeah. You're not <laughs> You're trying way too hard. Um, Dustin's two dads. We got Steve. We got Eddie. Oh. And even the, like, the ego comment is like man his this ego is just going wild it's like it's all in his tone isn't it i know right so so from like a fandom perspective um the big stranger things ship before season four was uh herring grove 
which is, you know, Steve and Billy. Oh, yeah. Um, or at least the big game. Now we're Steve and Now Eddie. it's Steady. Steady. Um, <laughs> Steady took over AO3. It actually, like, caused a lot of drama. Um, but, yeah, like, <laughs> there, there was a lot in one scene that really, you know, them being Dustin's dads, whether you ship them or not, just, like, I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Jamie Bauer, aka Henry One Vecna, whatever. Um, I, I also got the like, oh, he seems a little creepy, but the idea he was supposed to be the sympathetic orderly and then went to like psychopath. Like, I don't know what happened. Like, there was something in his face that just like shifted. Like, it almost looked like his he, cheekbones came out more. Yeah, like, when he went, he really crushed that scene. Yes, really crushed that scene. Yes, and oh my god. Like, his eyes felt bigger, like, his face felt distorted. Yes. It was really, he really crushed that. I also loved, like, the sound of his voice when he was talking to Eleven throughout the season. Yes. Um, I was just like, he sounds really sympathetic, but I can tell that, like, this is gonna skiv me out one day. Yes. And, like, his whole thing of, like, literal serial killer. Be like, oh, the world is, like, I'll remake it in my image sort of thing. And, like what the fuck like it uh. and also did maybe i'm a little slow did we establish that the mind flayer was actually just henry manipulating like the ether or whatever that was so yeah because they theorized that vecna was the five-star general and it's really like the other way around yeah so i mean that gets into a lot of theories that we do not have time to delve into Mm -hmm. but yeah we Technically, don't know if Henry. Oh God. Okay, I'm I'm trying not to <laughs> get into my will theories. Um, but yeah, Henry says he shaped the upside down, which is kind of weird that he turned it into Hawkins, Indiana, especially Hawkins at a time where he hadn't been there. Um, True. You know who had been there though is Will, and the upside down is shaped into the day that Will disappeared. Mm. So I don't think the upside down is manipulated by just Henry or just Eleven. I think there's a couple other influences in there. Hmm. Okay, <laughs> I could see that. Um, I think we've established I'm a sucker for that '80s soundtrack, oh but especially the remix of a separate ways like it's yes. such a good song oh, and God. i hadn't really listened to kate bush but like also like every band and their mom covered running, running up, up that hill, hill. i'm a huge kate bush fan and when i heard that in the beginning of the season i was like oh shit yeah and that whole scene too with bringing max back from yeah. the brink there um that was such a powerful scene too um but- I would give anything to watch that scene for the first time again. Yeah, oh man. It, that it was great. That was such a good scene. Um, I think we've already covered, we're really sad about Eddie. Um, and I was doing okay when I was re-watching it, and then it came to the end where Dustin is talking to his uncle. uncle. Oh. I was like, oh my god, I got teary-eyed again. I like, remember like the first time I watched it, my friends and I made like Stranger Things bingo cards. <laughs> and uh one of the one of the squares on the bingo card was Luca cries. And um the first time I cried, my friend like shaded in a little bit of it and he was like, I bet I can get this solid by the time it <laughs> And yeah, I was crying so hard when Dustin was talking to oh Eddie's uncle that I thought I was going to pass away myself. Oh my God. 
Um, and then, like, I, I'm excited for what the final season is shaping up to be. And I believe there is supposed to be a time jump. Uh, again, because, like, the kids are now yes. also older, so, like... Yes, I believe it's all but confirmed that there's going to be a time jump. But, like, there's, like, literal hell fissures... Like, in the Earth, like, what is happening? Are we going, like, full post-apocalyptic in just Indiana? Like, what is... Yeah, I'm excited to see where they go with that, because, like, the Upside Down is now joining with the world, so what is... Yeah, and Vecna's obviously not dead, but he's he's hurt, and he's angry, and he's coming back somehow. Um, So I'm interested to see that. Um, Also, like... I, I realized we left Dr. Owens just chained in that bunker. I hope he comes back and yeah. get rid of the psycho-military guys. If yeah. we're going to put somebody scientific, let's put him in charge of that sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, the, we could go on for ages, but in the interest of time, trying to keep it simple. I don't know about characters coming back. I know people really want to bring back Eddie. But I if really they bring back they Eddie, he's going to be evil or something, and I don't want that. So, Let him stay pure. Yeah, yeah. I don't want them to bring Eddie back. I loved what we had of him. He was here with us for a good time, not a long time. And it's, again, it just tells me that the writers are cowards. Yes. Um, I do hope we get Max back. I mean, we have her back from the dead. We need her just out of that coma. Yes. Um, But otherwise, that she's the only one I really want back. I mean, if Alexi returns and ends the Upside Down, <laughs> that would be fucking awesome. Yes. Oh my god, that would be funny. But my predictions for who will die, um, I feel like at this point, Mike has to die, because I feel like he's outlived his usefulness. <laughs> um, and, like, it, the only way we can feel something again for Mike is if he dies. Redemption through death. Redemption through death. So- um, I also feel like John... I was actually just watching a video about the whole love triangle thing. Like, I feel like we're pushing for Steve and Nancy to get back together because they've, like, he, Steve has changed. And the only way for that to happen is that John needs to die. I thought John was going to die in the finale because the whole, like, heart-to-heart yeah. with Will, I'm going to always be here. I'm like, so, no, that's, that's like saying, like, I'll be right back in a horror movie. So like, <laughs> I really think because of the nature of the Upside Down as well as my, you know, uh, conspiracy corkboard, <laughs> I think... um the final death is going to come down to one of two characters, and that is Will or Eleven. I think that the only way to stop the Upside Down is going to be for one of them to have to be sacrificed. Personally, I'm hoping season five goes into a Will-Villain arc, because uh, he deserves one at this point after how he's been treated. Mm-hmm. And also there are so many comparisons of him to Henry Creel, that we see throughout the series, and we have all the Will has powers theories, which I, you know, want to get into. Um, I think we're going to lose Will in the end. Mm. I think the writers would definitely rather kill Will off than Eleven. Yeah, I feel like, ah, but both are not good. so tragic, but I think it's ultimately going to come down to one of the two of them. I think anyone else is just kind of um, thrown in there to hurt us personally. Ugh. Um, um, I think they've yeah. really kind of fucked us with Steve, with Steve being like, I want to have six kids. Like, okay, bye, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that was a little too strong. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, I, I could see that. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like, unfortunately, there's 
are already enough like gay coding when it comes to villains that like suddenly we make the gayest gay character into the villain. Whoa. I don't have a lot of faith in the Duffer brothers not doing that. Ew. Uh, yeah. You know, if I'm being honest. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I don't uh, know. I, I feel like the Duffer brothers are probably going to bury their gays. <sighs> they shouldn't. Mm. I mean, if we get to keep one gay, can we keep Robin? Can Robin at least have a happy ending? Oh. <laughs> I, I don't want Will to die, but can we keep at least one? It's brutal. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know. If we keep but... one gay, it should be Murray. Murray? <laughs> <laughs> I said what I said. Oh my god. Um, yeah, so I think... Uh, did you already talk about Will has powers? Is that, or so, is that a whole nother thing? I kind of briefly brought that up. Uh, yeah, there's a massive fan theory going that Will has powers. Um, and we see a lot of hints towards it. In season one, they're constantly referring to him as different, as special. Hmm. Um, if he does have some kind of power, there's a theory that he's a Hawkins experiment, which I just don't buy, because then, like, how did he get out and, like, live a full life? Though, if there's any parent i believe could get their kid out of that lab it's joyce <laughs> um but there's you know all these theories about his connection to the upside down because i mean this all started with will mm -hmm. um why why was he targeted if you look back in the first episode you see the door opens with um you know something uh opening the lock with telekinesis the demogorgon couldn't do that that had to have been vecna mm -hmm. why was vecna hunting this little boy why is the Upside Down a mirror image of the night that Will disappeared? Mm. There's a lot of conspiracies amongst fans about Will having some sort of technomancy ability with the flickering lights and the techno manipulation that he kind of does when he's in the Upside Down that we kind of have explained. Mm -hmm. Even though that uh, that letterboard wasn't painted on the other side of the Upside Down, so like, was he literally like A, B, C, D? Yes. Oh. <laughs> But, yeah, so Will having powers is a major theory that's definitely one of my favorites, and I think we will see come to fruition in Season 5, mm -hmm. because he's a bigger part of this yes. than we've seen in the mm -hmm. past couple of years. Um, a lot of people have been saying this shit started with Will, it's going to end with Will. And mm. I am a firm okay. believer in that, and I really, I think he does have some sort of manipulation ability over the Upside Down. I, I would love to see that. I think if nothing else, he at least has this like seer sort of like thing going on. Yeah. And I I think if we bring Max back, like I don't know if we're getting her new eyes. Like the limbs can heal, but if we're gonna if she's gonna be blind, I would be interested to see this sort of like uh Cassandra from mythology thing yeah. where she's an oracle of some sort and that connected be... to that would be sick as fuck. Because I think originally she also was supposed to die in season four. And then people, and then they're like, nope, just kidding. But yeah, we're going to bring her in halfway. Yeah, for the record, like, I know I've said a lot of shit about, like, and then they're cowards who didn't kill off a character. That really <laughs> came full well with Max because, like, what, Eleven can fucking raise the dead now? Are you kidding me? Yeah. What What can't she do? That being said... Max deserves to live. Yes. I love Max a lot. I don't want her to die. Mm -hmm. I, especially, you know, with her having said earlier in the season that she'd had suicidal ideations, I want her to give a chance to live the life that she deserves. Right. 
Um, and I, I hope she pulls through. I really yes. do. Yes, and I mean, also Sadie Singh too. Is I've seen her in a couple other things oh, now too. Like she is a phenomenal actress. Yes, uh, I, I just want to see her come back. And, I mean, honestly, the entire cast, like uh, Jamie Bauer, did a great job as yeah. Henry. Um, Joseph Quinn as Eddie. Like the entire cast has grown up from little kids to like teenagers, and like they've. You know, embrace these roles, but also grown beyond them, too. Like, I, I'm interested to see what happens after Stranger Things for a lot of these people, too. Um, I mean, I, I think Millie Bobby Brown probably has the most exposure outside of Stranger Things at this point. Yeah. But I'm interested to see the rest of them, too. Especially Dustin. Um, I forget the actor's name. Noah. No. No, no Noah Schnapp is Will. Um, um, Gaten Matarazzo. Yes. Yeah. Who I have seen in a couple other works. Um... Isn't he doing Broadway or something like he, that? Yes, he actually got his start on Broadway. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah. He he's a Broadway baby. He was playing Gavroche in Les Mis <laughs> when he was like ten. Um, he's currently playing um, the little boy in Sweeney Todd. Um, <laughs> okay. Before that, he was in Dear Evan Hansen. He was in a Paramount Plus movie last year that was uh, I'm sorry, Gaten, but that movie was really bad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I love watching the kids come into their own acting careers, and I love seeing Dustin, especially on Broadway. Uh, mm -hmm. If you haven't listened to him in the Sweeney Todd soundtrack, I highly suggest it. He has a beautiful voice. Mm -hmm. um, and then Caleb McLaughlin was in Concrete Cowboy, which is a really, really... I haven't seen that yet, but... Really good movie. Um, what the Fletcher Street Writing Club does is incredible. Um, you have Finn Wolfhard, who's got his music career going right now. That's right. That's yes, right. Yes, he was in a lot of movies when he was younger. Um, I think he's not as into the acting world now. He's more so doing his music, but I could okay. be wrong about that. And then uh, Noah is currently in college. Um, he is... Um, he just came out this year, which was yes. awesome. Or no, he came out at I think the beginning of this year. Um, mm -hmm. good for him. Yes. Um, I'm excited to see where he goes from here. I've seen him in a couple other movies. He's in one of my favorite movies of all time. It's like an indie film called Abe. Okay. Um, but yeah, I love seeing where the kids are going in their careers. And Sadie Sink is gonna blow up. She is. Mm -hmm. She especially oh, yeah. after acting in the whale and oh, that yeah, Taylor yeah. Swift video. She's just that girl's going far. Yes. Oh man. So uh I, I'm excited to see what we got for season five. Um and I, I think what, it's probably like twenty twenty five at this point we'll see it. I don't <laughs> think it's next year. No, the writer's strike has pushed it back. Good. Um, yeah, exactly. So we, support the writers. Yeah, we support the strike. Um, yes. Well, you support this. This is your podcast. Yeah, yes, I, mm -hmm. I support it. Mm -hmm. Like, enjoy your content, but content needs to be created, and we have to give them their due. Like, it, it shouldn't be rocket science. But anyway, um, yeah, so I'm excited for what the final season will be. Don't fuck it up. Please. <laughs> Please don't. Um, but I'm excited all the same. But, um, yeah. I guess I went on a bit more of a tangent than I was expecting I, for Stranger Things. I am so sorry. When you asked me, I was like, oh my god, I'm not going to be able to contain <laughs> myself for a podcast episode length. Yes. I, uh, so <laughs> I am so sorry that we've been talking about Stranger Things for two hours and I still have a lot to say. Yes, but um, I'm glad you guys have decided to tune in. Um. Again, you can find us on Instagram at mmfalconpod. 
Uh, and it's we're getting into spooky season, so I'm kind of toying with some ideas for topics to do, possible guests, things like that, interviews maybe. We'll see. Um, but thank you for tuning in, and thank you, Luca, for being on once again. Thank you for having me. Of course. Uh, you have been listening to Mike's Millennial Falcon, and have a good one, folks.